Good morning. I want to welcome you all to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the minister here. And I've got a number of things I want to share with you um, before uh, we get started with our music. Um, look, at your, look at the front of your bulletin. This is something we've been working on all summer. Um, if you want to email a member of our staff, you can look at the pattern there. It's Memorial UMC First Name at gmail.com. We want to try to make it as easy and as uniform as possible. So you just look at the name of the individual and you can actually see Caitlin Owens is our brand new um, contemporary worship director. I'm very excited about that. She's been in the band for about a year and she's going to be our worship director at 9 o'clock. Um, SPRC's worked, um, they worked hard this summer and we got some uh, excellent people. Um, but you, if you see, if you want to email anybody on staff, like I said, that name, I want you to look above that at the pastoral care emergency phone. Um, we are not at our best if you're calling the office to make sure that we know that someone is in the hospital. That um, has very little chance of us having a quick response to you, especially if you called on Friday morning at 9 o'clock. That didn't gotta happen. Um, and then, but if you called me, you know that would be a lot faster. But today I'm going on vacation. So I've set up this phone number so that if you call this number, it goes directly to the person that is helping us out with pastoral care whatever day it may be. So if you have any pastoral care need, if you'll call this number and leave a message, leave a very clear voicemail of who you are, who you're calling about, where they are, and I guess what's going on. It doesn't have to be what's going on, but if you leave that, it will go directly to the person who can then um, care for whomever is doing what. Any questions about that? Does that make sense? It's, it's, not a, it's not a person's phone number. It's a line that goes directly to the person that is helping us, and in most cases, that'll be me. Um, so make sure you keep that bulletin with you. Take it home. Write down that number. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it in your phone, whatever it may be, and if you have something, it's totally... Um, what's the word? Confidential. And um, should go quickly into the hands of the person that um, will help you that particular day. Um, we have Exploring Memorial class on August 14th. That's two weeks from today at 10 o'clock. You'll learn more about other guests in the church. You'll learn more about the staff, about Memorial itself and the United Methodist Church as a whole. It's in the social hall, which is the building in between this building and the uh, Family Life Center. It'll be there at 10 o'clock. Um, Lake Day at Lake Robinson is the, this coming Sunday at 5 p.m. We have ice cream and dessert. We ask that you bring a thing of ice cream, whatever that may be. And of course, as unique as it is, makes us, uh, you know, wildly varied on that table. It's crazy how many combinations we have. Or you can bring a dessert. Um, I would bring sunglasses because uh, the sun is beating down about that time at Lake Robinson. So if you'll bring uh, ice cream and sunglasses uh, this, sun, this coming Sunday at 5 p.m. Um, we picked our book uh, for the coming series. It starts on August 14th. It's by Bishop Will Williman. It's called uh, uh, Fear of the Other, No Fear in Love. And um, his politics might be a little different than yours. He'll celebrate that fact. Um, and, uh, you know, so be it. Um, he's got all kinds of, uh, I think, helpful things, regardless of politics, that talk about um, the church. And we're going to focus on those things um, from August 14th to October 16th. If you are anywhere in a seven-mile radius on October 16th, you need to be here um, because he's coming uh, to lead worship that day, and he's one of the most fascinating people I've ever heard um, speak, and he'll be here on October 16th. We've ordered about 90 books um, for everybody who's ever ordered a book before, and they, I hope they will be here next Sunday uh, so that you can have a full week to look ahead towards next week. Um, there's a thing about um, uh, children's ministry training on August 21st. That's a Sunday at 11 a.m. That's not a typo. We figure in August, everything on this earth is after you um, for school, life, work, whatever. And we figure a time that we could get most everybody would be Sunday morning at 11 a.m. And so if you're a children's ministry volunteer, um, we would hope that you'd attend the 9 o'clock service and then go to that service and then go to that meeting. There's such a um, dramatic change in the way we're doing it. I think for the good, it's going to be very fun. I think you're going to love it. But we need to explain it. And so if you'll plan to be there on August 21st at 11 a.m. Um, I think 
that's everything. That's a lot, isn't it? Let's begin. Oh, we do have a new worship service order. It's slightly changed today. We're not going to have children's sermons in worship anymore. Instead, we're going to focus on taking them out of worship and giving them a learning experience about what worship will be. We're also going to have them in worship more often singing. So the times that you see them, they'll be singing uh, rather in the children's sermon. And on August 14th, Renessa and I have been working on a new worship order I think you're going to like. We're going to bring the second hymn uh, back into our worship order, but you'll see that uh, on August 14th. Let's uh, start our worship service. stand and join us in our first hymn, number 378.
us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. The Sullivan family is down one family member for an unexpected fun calendar event, so we're going to wait a couple more Sundays for them to join. scripture reading this morning is from Psalm. It's uh, Psalm 46. Um, God is our refuge and strength, 
and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, and mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall, he lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, as the psalmist wrote, our lives go up and down. They have peace and violence. They have sickness and health. They have great joy and great sadness. Remind us that proximity to your word and your hope and your peace and your purpose will not shield us from pain and loss. But being in the midst of your will puts us with people who love and support us. Puts us in close proximity to your comforting voice. And as we read your text today, as we understand what it must have been like to be in a boat in an enormous storm, help us also to imagine your presence your guidance, your vision for our lives. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught His disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our uh, tithes and other offerings. We also have an attendance sheet if you would like to give us information. And you can see above the financial report in the bulletin the way that you can give online and uh, even from your phone.
Betty, thank you for being with us today. Miss Betty's a friend of uh, Renessa. They go way back professionally. And uh, we thank you for coming in when Don's gone. You'll be here next week as well, right? Grateful to have you. Um, if you're familiar with the United Methodist Church system and how ministers move, um, we move uh, about July 4th every year. Your first Sunday is somewhere in that range, which is always... Uh, it's not a great one to start with, um, but it is what it is. But it, so every July, if you're staying, you look around and see who's coming to the district. Who, who do I get to hang out with now? And we have a great new person at Faith right down the street. Um, 14 continues out across there from McDonald's. Uh, why am I telling you all this? Y'all probably know this. <laughs> y'all may tell you where 29 is. 29's out there. We've got um, Zaxby's and Applebee's. I'm goofy. Um, <laughs> Kristen Dollar is her name. She's 23. Um, she's just a year out of seminary and um, has all kinds of energy and um, is, is fun and interesting. And she, we met, I reached out to her when she was coming and said, um, I can help in any way. So many ministers have helped me and continue to do so my entire life. If I can be of any help to you and she talked to me about worship planning, and I told her what we were doing uh, with Bishop Williman, and so Faith is going to do that as well. And so I think there'll be a, a growing partnership between ourselves and Faith, United Methodists helping them out, and I think um, certainly they can teach us something too. And she's also going to be the main guest on the um, podcast that I start back next week when we get back from vacation. I, th I think she's, it's going to be a great relationship, and I, just, uh, I thought this would be a great opportunity to tell you that. So today is the last um, in the theme of creeks, lakes, and streams, stories in which people encountered um, uh, major biblical figures or um, Jesus or God in some way, shape, or form by a body of water. I hope all summer long as you've gone out and seen different bodies of water, these stories have come to mind to you as we've uh, focused on them. I had to drive to Sumter and back this week, and you see all different sorts of kinds of body of water as you're going down uh, 26 and then 20 to Sumter. But today we're talking about a story that may be very familiar to you. It's um, from Matthew 14. It starts with um, verse 22, and it's found on page 1520 in your pew Bible if you'd like to follow along. It's on page 1520. And I like to read parts of it. If you, wanna, if you like to read along, I invite you to keep it open. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, Jesus went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So he said immediately. Immediately after what? If you look at your Bible, um, before that Jesus fed um, 5,000 people. And really you should say 5,000 plus people. Um, because in many cases it was the men who was tracked at these events. So just before this event, he fed 5,000 plus people, probably 6,000, 7,000 plus people. Jesus had retreated to a place to get um, a moment of um, silence, a moment of prayer, a moment of clarity. And those thousands of people followed him desperate for something. And not only did he teach them, he fed them. You know, it was immediately before that is John the Baptist was killed. His predecessor, the one that set up his ministry, the one who was his champion who said, listen, I, I know that y'all think the words us I'm saying are exciting. I'm not the one. This is the one. He thought it was important, John the Baptist, to say to the king, what you're doing is not right. The king's wife didn't like that he said that, and she arranged for John to be killed. So his predecessor, the one who set him up, the one who was um, starting this movement is now gone. And so not only do you have in mind the stakes of when I say these things, I could truly be harmed, but the person who was in this with me, the person who understood it the most, is now gone. And I bet you I've had that feeling in one way or another, whether it be in a relationship or whether it be in a work relationship or in the church, someone that you relied upon heavily is now gone and, and you're the one that knows this and can do it. So John the Baptist gets killed and Jesus says, I need a minute. Then thousands of people follow him. Then he says, I need a minute again and tries to get away from them. 
And it, the thing I want you to notice is that he went up a mountain. Matthew, more than any other gospel writer, ties Jesus to the Old Testament. And the significance of every instance in the Old Testament when someone went up a mountain. Why are people going up mountains in the Old Testament? They want to get clarity. They want to get instruction. They want to get inspiration. And you know what? We don't have to think too hard about that, living where we are. We can go up inter, uh, uh, Highway 25. We can go up 276. We can go up 14. And these are um, state parks. These are church parks. These are uh, Y parks. Places where we get up above the city. Where our cell phone doesn't work very well, which is tremendous. We sing with one another. We um, uh, share with one another. We get to a different level with one another up on one of those mountains in a way that we can't down here. And so Jesus goes up that mountain and sends his disciples out on the water so that he can gain clarity as to what he is to do next. And you can imagine with that loss and with that pain, it's time to gain clarity. Verse 23. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. So this is the opposite of what he did in chapter 8. In chapter 8, there was a furious storm. He was actually on the boat. The disciples were freaked out. These are fishermen. They're experienced people. But they are freaked out. And what is he doing? Sleeping. Shaking. What are you doing? Don't you understand what's going on? Don't you understand how significant this is? Do you want us to die? Now they're in a significant storm. They're in a boat. They're on the water. And he's doing something much more frightening than sleeping. He's walking towards them. So with those two images in mind, I'll, have you, you know, I'll ask you two questions to ponder. Um, do you feel sometimes that Jesus is distracted from your pain? There's too much else going on and you must not understand what's going on in my work or you must not understand what's going on in my family or with my health or the health of my loved ones. You must not understand what's going on in this community. Are you even paying attention? Hello? 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 I'm trying to shake him. Of course, before he walks on the water, you could ask, do they think he's abandoned them altogether? And that's a great question to ask ourselves. At times, have you felt, I don't know if Jesus is even, much less is he not paying attention. He has abandoned me altogether. I'm in this on my own. I've got to handle this myself. But in that moment, he does something uh, crazier than they have seen yet. And it might be at the same time comforting and frightening at the absolute 10 out of 10 in both instances. Verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. This is what I said at 9 o'clock. Okay. All you have to do, yeah, of course. Whenever somebody says, Don't be afraid, oh, all right, then I won't be afraid then. Are you crazy? The only time somebody says that is when you are in a truly frightening situation. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? So have you ever noticed that Jesus is most often mistaken for someone else or something else? I don't have hard research on this because it just occurred to me this week. Um, is there anyone in the Bible that's mistaken for someone else or something else more than Jesus is? I mean, you think about Goliath. Do you think anybody mistook him for somebody else? you think anybody mistook King David for anybody else? Jesus is often considered another person, either someone someone special in the Old Testament reincarnated, or in this case, an apparition. And I think it's because he's two things at the exact same time, and it's very confusing to people. His presentation is quite ordinary. 
his gear, you know, what he wears and the people he's with and the places he goes are almost, uh, are not almost, are too ordinary. People say, what, this guy? This guy wearing that from that place with those people? That's strange. But that's juxtaposed with him doing extraordinary things in front of them with food or storms or boats or people or sickness or death or whatever. And so people see this extraordinary... Uh, let me say that right. Because that's a, um, those are two different words. He's supremely ordinary looking, doing extraordinary things. It's confusing to people. And I think it would be confusing to us as well. But then Peter says something that I think is... Um, uh, very helpful for us to recognize that we do. He said, Lord, if it is you. You know what that statement means? It means, uh, you know, I'm thinking, but if you could do something really cool or big or something for me, then it make it a little bit easier to believe this is who you are. If it is you, then fill in the blank. How many times do you think we do that? Lord, if it's you and you love me, I'd really love to have this job. Lord, if it's you and you love me, I'd really love to have this relationship. Lord, if it's you and you love me, I'd really love to get a B on this test that I didn't study for. <laughs> Whatever it may be. If it's you, I need you to do something so that I can believe. In fact, Jesus tells them point blank one time, the greatest thing you can do, the most significant thing you can do is believe in me. You know what their response is? Cool. Um, could you do something? Do something cool and then, and then we'll believe in you. <laughs> Our faith will really be strengthened by an action by you right now. It's not a great response, but it's human. It's real. We have to give them credit for being real. If we were there, we might do the exact same thing. It's simply too much to take in the thing that he's doing. And even amidst this crazy thing that he's doing, we need a little bit more proof. Walking on water in the midst of a storm isn't quite enough for Peter. Could you do one more thing for me? You ever notice that he actually did take a couple steps on the water? It's pretty impressive. He really did. But then he lost his focus on what Jesus was doing for him and instead gained focus on what the wind was doing around him and what the storm was doing around him. You've heard me mention the name David Lose a number of times. He's um, one of my favorite theologians. And he said things are at war in this moment inside the um, hearts and minds of the disciples. And of course these things are at war in us constantly. Um, the height and the depth. Peter is at the same time experiencing the fact that he is currently walking on water while also realizing that there is a depth to this water that could kill him very shortly. And so we, in that same way, even in the midst of great times, are always aware of the thing that could fall apart so that we could all lose everything. He's experiencing both life and death. Life truly lived. Life boldly lived. The last time I went up on the mountain was with Leadership Greer and the orientation. And we went up to um, do those exercises that build community. And of course those exercises are, let's walk on a rope. Let's drop ourselves into one another. Let's act goofy in public. Let's blindfold ourselves and we'll, and we'll talk to each other. All the things that actually truly do build community. But in the midst of it, your brain is saying, let's not do this in any way. Let's not step on this rope. Let's not blindfold ourselves. Let's not meet a, a 35 new people. My goodness, how are we going to do this? But as you're fighting through that, those instances really are building community. So life and death, courage and fear. My great courage to follow you, my great fear that I could die. And of course, over all of it, faith and doubt. Yes, Lord, I, I pretty much believe it's you, but if you could do something else, that would make it a little easier to believe that it's you. David said, I've often overlooked God's presence in the peaceful and pleasant portions of my life, yet called out in earnest when things took a difficult turn. Does that sound familiar? It's not, it's not entirely true for me, and I bet it's not entirely true for you, because there's peaceful things that I see, uh, you know, mountains, beach, whatever, where God truly sticks out to me. 
God's creation and that peace, but I surely am paying attention when I'm broken or when something's broken around me. I am laser focused on um, if, if you could fix this, I'll, I'll be glad to do something. I'll be glad to pay attention for the next couple days. Verse 32. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. They've got it right there. They've seen something pretty amazing. And it, it, right now, we've got it. When they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. In those moments when you figure Jesus is distracted and you really could use something this second, while recognizing that um, both God and Jesus can absorb far more than we can, I think it's interesting to consider chapter 14 of Matthew. If you were an individual, if he, as we believe, was truly human, he learned that his dear friend and predecessor had died. He fed 7,500 people. He came walking across a storm. And when the boat landed, there were people saying, hey, can you come, can you come, can you come, can you come, can you come? How many of y'all were servers in restaurants? I served at Applebee's and Chili's, fine dining establishments. In both cases, uh, I love I, I the work. Um, but in both cases, I would get entirely freaked out by an enormous bus pulling up, a full bus. Some of my friends, to their credit, would uh, you know, think, oh, we're going to make some money today. We're not going to waste our time today. Um, I really loved to have three or four tables and be so focused on what they were doing that I could just be a ghost, not ask him, can I take that? Can I take that? Can I take that? Can I take that? You need to check. You want some more water? Just be a ghost. The only way I could do that is to be paying attention to them. But the only way I could truly be paying attention to them with, in, in my skill set was to have a limited number of them. If I had eight tables, two of which were had eight people at each table, and the second person just really couldn't figure out what we were going to order today. <laughs> I just need another minute. I go, okay. I'll be glad to give you another minute. I'll be right back. That moment, when I read that chapter, I think about that time. When there were so many people who truly, independently, need something. And if they don't get it in that moment, they're going to get upset. And my heartache was not about the workload. It was about not getting it right for them. So if you imagine the fact that in every place that Jesus went, there was somebody saying, could you do something? And then I'll think about believing. And then not make fun of that. Instead, think, how am I doing that? What about my behavior is in that uh, realm? The people of every place that he visited had the opportunity to be greater based on his presence. They were given provision, hope, purpose, opportunity if they were paying attention, if they were focused. And so these are some of the things that we talked about this summer. Water is expanding and nourishing, as in creation in Genesis. Water is protecting us, as it did Moses in Exodus. Water is reminding us of our place, our tininess in this earth, as it did with Jonah when he thought, I don't know if I want to do that. Water is calling us to a greater purpose, as it did when John the Baptist baptized Jesus. We have no idea how long we have. But we do know that we have an opportunity to pay attention, to believe, and to act in the name of our Lord based on the amazing things that have happened to human beings around water. Let us pray.
Lord, we thank You for the amazing stories that we've read this summer. We thank You for the provision and love that preceded anything. We thank You for the responsibility that You placed in human hands to get important things done in very different communities of very different sizes. We thank You for patience as those people tried to work out their own motivations and Yours. And as we experience height and depth, as we experience life and death, courage and fear, faith and doubt, help us always to realize that we can turn to You. That You are always present, always ready to listen, and always calling us to a higher task. It's in Your Son's name we pray. Amen. So I will leave today and come back Sunday afternoon, uh, next Sunday afternoon. Um, we have retired ministers here who are going to help do anything that needs to be done. If you'll please use that number. When I get back, I feel truly excited about what we have set up for the fall. Our staff parish relations committee, the HR committee of any United Methodist Church has worked hard this summer. We have five new people for eight positions since March 1st. And the people that we have are gifted and they're team players and they're interesting. And I'm looking forward to working with them. I'm excited about the worship plan that we have. I'm excited about the McClyman Trust uh, Committee and everything that they've worked on this entire summer. And we're going to be showing you that um, as we draw closer to Christmas. It's an exciting time to be here. I'm grateful for vacation, but I'm grateful to be coming back next Monday. And now receive the benediction. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.